live in a toxic world. And did you know that there are certain chemicals that we must absolutely avoid when we are going through perimenopause and menopause? Stick around because today we're talking to Leah Segedy from Momovation about which chemicals we should avoid and why. Hi everyone, today I'm here with my friend Leah Segedy from Momovation and I am so happy because I absolutely love her. Leah, mwah, mwah, mwah. I'm so happy you are on our show and you are an absolute expert when it comes to understanding chemicals, how they're affecting our body and why we should avoid, avoid them. So let's start, let's jump right in. Give us a bit of a background on the chemicals that we're exposed to and then we'll kind of segue into why we should avoid them in perimenopause and menopause. Hey, Andrea Donsky, thank you so much for having me on today. It's an honor. My name is Leah. I um, am the founder of Momovation.com, and we do this all the time. Uh, so there are, I've come, I've done my homework, and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different chemical categories that I wanted to talk to you about that specifically can target and mess with your hormones as a female. And they're really, really important to talk about. And so I have them all here with an additional 13 recommendations. <laughs> you know what the sad thing is? I'm going to say, I looked up girls versus boys and you know what? We had this list and they had like four things. Like it was like, this is not fair. This is just not <laughs> I know. And that's why I'm so happy you're doing this. All right, let's jump in. What should we start with? Okay. So the first thing we start with is pesticides. Okay. So specifically pesticides, and this is the part that you're going to be like, wait, what? It's something that just happened to me recently. One of the worst pesticides that you can get in your body was banned in the United States in 1972, and yet it is still in the food supply. And the reason for that is because of contamination. Now, DDT or DDT. I knew you were going to say DDT. I was actually going to guess it. Ding, ding, ding. And this is a little story I'm going to tell you guys, okay? And I'm sorry. I know we got 30 minutes, but I just want to let you know. I participated in a study and I sent away a ton of my hair to France. And what they did was they analyzed all, like hundreds of people in the United States looking for pesticide residue. Well, they found DDE in my hair, which is DDT breaking down over decades. So I went like, ah, ah, because of course that's the chemical that's like the ding, 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 do not pass go, do not collect $200, don't eat it, right? As a woman, it's linked, it's linked very closely to breast cancer. That's one of the biggest things. So obviously it's something you don't want. So what I ended up doing is I was like, how is this happening? So I had to start testing other things. I tested the soil in my front yard because I have this big front yard garden. Ding, I found it on my property. And so then I tested my backyard chicken eggs and guess where it was? I had been feeding my family DDT for six years without realizing it. I just found out like two weeks ago, we've just, we're keeping the chickens, but we're throwing out the eggs, right? So what are you guys doing? On momovation.com, we are actually starting to test brands. Now, what I found out that really upset me was wow. organic standards in the United States doesn't force um, farmers to test the soil for these things, okay? So that means it's all over the place. Now, primarily it's in places where 
like orange groves and citrus groves. And like, if you're in a, in a place like a house and you're worried it's on your property, it's probably not going to be on your property unless you used to be a farm. I used to be a walnut grove. This property right here, I live in California. A lot of places in California and Washington state were all these big groves and they just kind of like got rid of them and all these houses, right? So if you live in a track like that, maybe want to go get your hair pesticide tested. If you go to momavation.com, we have a really great um, lab that we work with and it links up and helps you do the same exact thing I did. But if you are worried about DDT and just want to avoid it, it hides an animal fat. So this is how it works. Like DDT sticks around for over a hundred years. Okay. It's still in the soil. So if you have a grass fed anything, right. And if the animals are actually able to get dirt in their mouths, like chickens are because they peck, I got I chickens are amazing, but they peck on the ground. So that is one thing. So get your soil tested in your, on your, on your property. And that means if you do have it, you can remediate it by doing those raised beds and getting, you know, dirt, O-M-R-I certified dirt from, you know, the landscaping guy or whatever in the nursery. That is fine. So you can cover it, cover up the dirt, you know, do the raised bed. You're going to be fine. Avoid animal fat. And I know a lot of people that do the keto diet are going to get really mad at me, but there's the nutritional people and toxic people don't always like each other because things like animal fat hides things like DDT dioxins and PCBs, which are the worst absolute things that you could have in your body as a woman because they pretend that they're estrogen and your body thinks they're estrogen. So it totally messes with your system. So what I would do is I would cut down on the animal fat is what I would do. And especially now that I've had this experience, I'm cutting down on the animal fat. Am I still eating chicken eggs? Yes, because I've been testing chicken eggs. And so now I know which ones are safe, right? So we tested Vital Farms and that's the one that we have in my house and it was clear. And so that's the one that I can easily say, go out and buy Vital Farms past eggs. Those are clear. We're still testing them. Future tests will be on momovation.com. So just watch us. So that's the first thing that I would recommend. Get your hair pesticide tested, number one, so you can see all kinds of pesticides that you are coming into. Now, the difference between a urine test and a, and a hair test is a urine test is going to tell you what you had in three days, which either can be actionable or not. But a hair test, look at this. It's going to tell you two months minimum of exposure. Yeah. And so to me, that's far more actionable. So that's the first thing I would do. Second thing is less animal fats. And so come on, just cut. I, the fat is my favorite part, honestly. Just cut it off, avoid it, you know, buy the right eggs. You know what I'm saying? The, so the, that's two. The third thing I would say is organic food all the way. It's not that there aren't pesticides in organic food. It's that they're not persistent pesticides. They're not the toxic kind, or they're not the kind that stay on the plant. So it's not that they, they use toxic uh, pesticides because that's what pesticides are, but the ones in the organic certification are the ones that get beaten off by the wind. When it rains, it comes off the plant. If the farmer is using organic pesticides, he's got to use a lot more of them because they just wash away. And so that's the same thing that's going to happen. So by the time you get your organic um, food, wash it, absolutely, because everything should be washed because you never know who's handling it or whatever anyways or what it's touching. So wash and eat, but go for organic because the toxic persistent pesticides are very unlikely to be found in organic food. And they've done tests and studies on this and absolutely one to two weeks of eating organic takes a lot of these chemicals out of your body. 90% down or something, right? Like I know that there's been studies and it kind of takes it right down. I think I want to pause for a second and I want, I think what I want you to do is explain why that's important. 
Why do those pests, so they, they mimic estrogen in our body. I'm just going to repeat it. They mimic estrogen in our body. And especially as we're going through perimenopause and menopause, we don't want to have those xenoestrogens. That's what they're called. Right in our body and mimicking estrogen. That's why it's really important that we avoid them. And by the way, they also play, they, they're harmful to our liver, they're harmful to our kidneys, they're harmful to like so many different parts of our bodies because we're not because we're not meant to ingest them, our bodies aren't functioning the way they're supposed to, which when we're going through this phase of our lives, we need our body to work as optimally as possible. So as a female, you're gonna be a little different than everybody else. There are four times in your life that it's really, really, really important to watch what you're consuming and what you're exposed to because those are the points in your life when your hormones are changing. And when your hormones are changing, that is when the most damage can be done. There's four times in your life, and I'm going to tell you what those times are. So as a mother and a woman, you can think about it. Number one is utero. That is the most difficult time. When you are in utero, you have very little protections other than what your, your mother is able to, to protect you from. But synthetic pesticides and those types of things trick your body. Your body thinks that they're natural estrogen. So it gets in your body. There's no protection for the baby. So that's one of the things. So if you're pregnant, baby in utero, that's a really most important time. Second most important time is when you're from about zero to five years old. At that time, that is when your development is happening. Your hormones are, you know, all of those things are happening. When I say hormones, it's not sexual hormones, it's development hormones, right? And Everything has to happen in a very specific way to make sure that the child develops the way they're supposed to be developing. The third time is when you go through, um, when you get your period as a young girl. That is when you are like exposed like a raw, your rod exposed. And we know, you know when this is happening to you, you know what I mean? That is when um, hormones are changing, bad things can happen. And the fourth time is menopause. So these are the four times in a female's life you want to be absolutely careful because your hormones are shifting. Now, why are these xenoestrogens bad? Because when they go into your body, your body thinks they're an estrogen. And so it goes, hey, welcome, you're whatever estrogen, come on in. Well, you don't want your body to do that, but it will because these are tricking your body. These chemicals are tricking your body. So if you just avoid them, you won't have to worry about them. But that's why, really because the damage that can be done are in those four times. Those are the most important times of your life. It's not like you want to like forget about it at any other point in time, because as women, we're taking care of people that are babies or young. So there's never a point, I think, where we're not kind of like faced with having to worry about these issues. But for you specifically yeah. during menopause, please be careful because the one thing that I am worried about with most people is breast cancer. And that yeah. is right there at that time. And so if you don't want to get breast cancer, you want to look at these things and avoid them at, at as best as possible. And I think it's an important point too, because some women might be watching going, well, wait, my estrogen levels are decreasing. Wouldn't it be a good thing to have these estrogens, these xenoestrogens come into my body because I need estrogen anyways? The answer is no. Not because they're the wrong really kind. Yes. Not the wrong kind. Exactly. And these, these estrogens are linked to negative effects in our body. So we really need to be mindful. All right, Leah, what's the next one? So fix your coffee actually, because there's mitotoxins and mitotoxins are uh, the same thing. They're a, a xenoestrogen. So mitotoxins you will find in coffee. So if you go to momovation.com, we have done Bad Better Best and looked at, I want to say, 60 different coffee brands and look specifically at mitotoxins. And so there's a list of like 10 or 15 brands that we would recommend you get. Why am I saying specifically coffee? Because if you're a coffee drinker, you're drinking it every day. Okay. So this is something you want to look at. If you're going to make changes in things, look at the things first that you're consuming on a daily basis because that's your daily dig, right? 
And if it's coffee, okay, just get used to another one, right? You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's probably going to be a better tasting coffee anyways, because the ones that we picked out were pretty awesome. And they had more to do with a region. There's regions of the world that has less mitotoxins in the coffee based on the, um, how high up the, the, that their altitude is actually. So that's something that you want to look at. The higher the altitude, the better the coffee for mitotoxins and stuff like that. What's the definition of a mitotoxin? I don't know, but I know it has to do uh, with mold <laughs> and toxins. And the lower in altitude it is, the more likely they're going to build up based on just not getting like wind. And there's all kinds of factors. But what they know is the lower the altitude, the more likely they're going to find these mold toxins. Got it. Well, it's a toxin. So regardless, toxins are toxins. So we need to avoid them. And I, and I do want to give you a big plug. And I, I have to say this, Leah, you are by far the most incredible investigator looking at brands and really watching out for our health. And I want to give you a big kudos. Leah and I just to give you a bit of background. Leah and I are the biggest women supporting women. We, we, we've done talks together at trade shows. We've literally, when it comes to partnering with women and different women, we are absolutely, I'd say, a really great example. And that's why I'm so happy to have you on the show today because this is so important, this information. So absolutely check out momovation.com. She's done the work for us. Yeah. Hello. I mean, she spends hours and hours and hours and hours and hours I'm of time. It's incredible that like, I, I know it's like, you know, like when you have these quirks and you wonder like, oh, where is there room for me in the world? And like, that's a, that. and then you get older, you like embrace your quirks. This is like one of those obsessive quirks that I have where I'm like, what's the best coffee? And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, I got to answer it. How many are there? And da, 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 da. So I'm going to do this work anyways for myself. But when I get to yeah. put it online, it's like hundreds and thousands of other people get to experience it too. I love it. I love it. And I know you just did one on fish too, which I absolutely want to read. And uh, I think we should, we should mention that. We'll come back. So stick around to the end because we're going to talk about the toxins in fish and what fish are actually healthy to eat and not. So, all right, Leah, what's the next one? The so number six is detox your personal care product. Specifically, yes, we're looking one. for phthalates. We're looking for parabens. And for, if you're a woman of color, your hair relaxers. So personal care, in the world of personal care, the worst thing you're going to find for a female, for these estrogens that we're talking about, is phthalates and parabens. Those are the two things that you want to avoid with a 10-foot pole, 20-foot pole, 30-foot pole if you can. But go through your personal care products and um, avoid things. You know, that's actually a really hard one. I would, I wish I could, we could actually do a whole show for five hours on personal care products and the chemicals in personal care. But luckily, my site's already done all the work for you. You can find lotions, you can find sunscreen, you can find shampoo, you can find pretty much anything in that personal care aisle with all of the brands on my site in Bad Better Best for you to be able to figure that out. But the one thing that I would say is for women, hair dye. Hair dye is the closest link to breast cancer and hair relaxers. Those two chemicals that women at this age use all the time are the ones that are the worst ones for you. Now, do they have better hair dye out there? Absolutely. Can you bring your, your natural hair dye to the to the, the hairstylist? And it's not like we're getting our hair done right now because it's COVID, you know. <laughs> but, you know. So I do. I bring my own hair dye to my hairdresser and she does it for me. And now so many people have started doing it themselves anyway. So if you have somebody that can help you and do it yourself. But yes, the hair dye is a massive thing. I know it's also been linked to bladder cancer, yeah. I believe. So, so bladder really and breast. And those are the biggest ones. Um, so it's, yeah. it's not a little deal. It's a big exposure. So really look yeah. and consider maybe adjusting it to a 
better hair. Like you have bad ones, you have better ones and you have best ones, right? And the best ones, well, they're not going to last very long. The better ones are going to be in the realm of they last longer, right? But they're, they still got some stuff in it. Go to the better and the best realm. And that's where you want to be. I just want to say one thing is that for those of you who are looking to possibly go gray, I did a great interview with Nicole Scott. We're going to put it in the card above. She's one of the leaders in the gray hair movement. Excellent, excellent interview if you're looking to stop using hair dye. So I stopped and you can see my grays are coming in and I'm loving them. And a lot of these bloggers inspired me, but it used to be red and I was born with fiery red hair. And then I turned about 40 and all of a sudden it went gray. And I was like, no, this is my identity. <laughs> so, um, but you know, it's, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. And well, I can't really tell through the computer, but you look beautiful to me. I mean, yeah, I wish you could see, but like, if you compare what it used to be like to like the, cause it's brown now, brown with a little bit of thought, the redheads went white. That's what I was told. They lied. <laughs> they, lied. <laughs> they lied. Whoever they are, they lied, which leads me to my next one. And this one is going to, you're going to be like, what? Avoid black plastic utensils and black coffee makers. Why? Okay. Is that because of the black dye? Okay. Now this is going to like blow your mind. So your VCR is what color? Black. Right. Uh, well, wait a second. Do we even have VCRs anymore? Your television <laughs> and VCR and all of those electrical things that you yeah. have in your house is likely made from black plastic. What happens to that black plastic when you throw it away? They recycle it. And they don't change the recycled black plastics that it used to be um, a electrical equipment that was exposed to fire retardants and PFAS and phthalates and heavy metals and all those things. No, no, no. They don't change it. They just mix it all together. So your black coffee maker and your black utensils that are plastic. And if you have black, like anything that you're using to cook with that's made of black plastic, throw all of that away. Why? Wow. Because there was a study the year before last where they found PFAS, phthalates, fire retardants, heavy metals coming out of black plastic, especially with utensils and things that you are heating and putting warm liquid into. So your coffee maker Ding, ding, ding. I bet you, you have a black coffee maker. And I bet you in that black coffee maker, there's something with black plastic that is holding hot liquid. That is a yes, bad idea. Of course. So if you're going to go, if you're going to go into your coffee and you're going to buy better coffee and get higher elevation coffee so that you avoid these mitotoxins, you might as well kick your coffee maker to the curb and get something really simple. What do I use? I use a Chemex. Honestly, that's what I use. It's simple. It's like you're going camping. How do you make your coffee? You grind it, you put it in the Chemex, you pour the water over it. Simple, easy, no problems. No black plastic touches my coffee. It's just glass. So that is what wow. I would recommend you do. Right. And most women aren't even thinking about this, but it's also, if you're using black utensils to eat with, toss those. You don't need to use them because things start to leach when they get hot when oil or fat is on them or when it's like a citrusy food, you know, like vinegar and citrus and salt will pull the adjuncts out of the plastic. And that's exactly what you don't want because then you're consuming it. So ding, ding, ding. That is a big one. Avoid wow. black utensils, plastic. And then when you're cooking, go into your, go into your kitchen right now. And if you have any black plastic, anything that you're using to cook with, toss it. 
Okay. It's not helping too many. Utensils, all those utensils that you, oh my. So wait, even if the black plastic isn't recycled, it will still contain? There, those is, no, there is really no such thing as virgin black plastic. It's the one that it, it, it's the one that it's recycled. Like you can put any color into it and it stays black. Holy cow. I did not know this. And, and where is that, that stuff is coming from the electrical equipment. Because when you throw your VCR away and your TV and all those things, they put fire retardants in those plastics to keep yeah. them from exploding and getting hot, melt, all that stuff. So that yeah. stuff is then getting into your food if you're cooking and it's getting into your coffee and it's, and it has, it's like, it takes a while to break down, but if it's your coffee maker, you're using it every day. You probably have one that's at least a year old. You don't need to think any further than to just say, maybe not toss it, get something better. So any other, I mean, obviously plastic utensils aren't the best even for the environment, but uh, if you're going to use plastic anything, make sure that it isn't black. I'm just repeating. And then, and it doesn't have to be an expensive turnover of stuff. I mean, really it's just being more conscious. And like you said in the beginning, Lee, and I think it's a really good point is just to be aware and the things that you use the most of, baby steps, those are the ones to look at replacing. So as you, you know, you want to replace certain things, like coffee's a big one. And I also know that coffee is one of the top three most pesticide-laden crops in the world. So on top of the mitotoxins, it's also you have the pesticide. I mean, it's, it's really, there are so many reasons to drink good coffee. That's coming up next. Thank you for watching. I hope you're learning something. This information is so interesting, so important, and I know it can be overwhelming. That's why we're dividing it into two parts, part one and part two. So be sure to click right here on part two, where we continue the conversation with Leah and leave us a comment. I want to know, is there anything that you heard today in the interview that you're going to change and start implementing into your daily routine because I know myself right away I'm starting with getting rid of black plastics all right done out in the recycling or garbage bin bye bye see you later all right I'm gonna see see you over on part two